0: Uh, good morning, I'm Charlie, I'm um, one of the ministers here, let's pray, shall we? Uh, Father God, speak to us this morning, um, speak through me, uh, Lord, as we open up some big ideas this morning, be in our thinking, our understanding, our listening, in Jesus' name, Amen. So this is the fifth of and um, the final of a series, based on that book by Ad- Adam Hamilton that Tim mentioned earlier, Everything... Um, half-truths. And our thing for today is everything happens for a reason. And I'm going to, by the time I finish today, you're going to have a whole lot of questions. I guarantee it, because I can't cover every base on this subject in 22 minutes. But hopefully I'm going to give you some stuff to think about, and we'll cover a few things and give you a bit of direction. Um, Actually, Tim, would you mind getting me a glass of water, please? Sorry, I've got... I've got a horrible chest infection that I've had all week and it's, um, so would that be all right? Oh, thank you. Okay. Look at that. Already done. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Everything happens for a reason. How many of you have heard that phrase? How many of you have used that phrase? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's most of you. Um, well, there's some good impulses, some natural impulses behind this phrase. Everything happens for a reason because we live in a world of cause, <coughs> of cause and effect. <coughs> we know, for example, and we tell our children that if you eat too many Haribo, you will get tooth decay. Cause and effect: too many sweets, not brushing your teeth properly, you will end up having to see Zelda Williams quite a lot. <laughs> Or we know that actually if you are texting while you're driving, you are vastly increasing the chances of you having an accident because it's not a very sensible thing to do. It's a cause and there is often an effect. Uh, We know if we continue to fly as we are, if we continue to expand our airways, burn fossil fuels like we are, drive like we are, by the time my children get to their 80s, Norfolk will be underwater. Cause and effect. We live in a world of cause and effect. That's one of the natural impulses. But also, as human beings, we want explanations. We want meanings. We want stories. We want purpose. Uh, we, we create meaning and stories out of all sorts of situations. Uh, somebody might blank us at the school gate. Uh, we, we, don't, we, we speak to them and they maybe don't hear us. And all of a sudden we're wondering, what have I done to upset them? You know, what, what, what did I say last week that so upset them? And actually, they just didn't hear you. But we've put meaning and story into why they didn't respond. And we're looking for meaning all the time. Does anyone think these plug sockets look slightly anxious? <laughs> they are just plug sockets. <laughs> what about this sink? So once you've seen that, you can't unsee it, can you? <laughs> so we're always, we're always reading things and we're creating meaning and we're creating purpose. We're, that, we're wired for that. That's what we want to do with life. But actually, when we often say, well, everything happens for a reason, actually, generally, I think our impetus is to try to comfort people. And we generally try say to people who are going through a, have been through a difficult situation, a bereavement or some trouble, and we say, well... Everything happens for a reason. Here's a quote from Adam's book. When we say everything happens for a reason, we're not talking about cause and effect. Most often we're speaking in response to suffering. When something bad happens, we're trying to help someone through a difficult time. We say it was meant to be, or it must have been their time, or it was part of the plan, or it must have been God's will. We seek to console, and others seek to console us, by saying that God has a particular purpose for bringing about, or at least allowing, situations in which people suffer. We may assume that while we don't yet understand why it had to happen, all events in our lives according to God, unfold according to God's predetermined and immutable plan. Which sounds great on one level... But actually, if you follow it to its logical conclusion, it can have some quite strange outcomes. For example, did we believe that God predestined and ordained Manchester City to win the 2019 FA Cup? Yes. Some of you do. (laughs) (coughs) Some of you don't. Do we really think that God preordains the outcome of sports matches or... Let's get a little bit more serious. A car crash. This is uh, uh, one of the inventors of Bitcoin. This is his Lamborghini that he stuck into a hedge last week. Does God, I mean no one was injured. That's why I chose this picture of a car crash. um, Because he walked away from it. But does God ordain car accidents? Are they part of God's plan for us in some way? Well these are some of the pupils and teachers of Sandy Hook Elementary School. Does everything happen for a reason? And we all know where this is. So do you see what I mean? We say this, everything happens for a reason to comfort people, but actually it can lead to some very strange ideas if we follow it through to its logical conclusion. So I would like to ban it as a phrase from now on. Because I think although we might be trying to be helpful with it, often it can be incredibly unhelpful. And we're going to look today at two images of God, two opposite ends of a spectrum on this argument and how perhaps they speak to us. And I think we'll find, as is often the case, the, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. It's often not found at either extreme. But the first is as God as the micromanager. God who's involved in every single detail, manipulating, moving where really we have no free will at all. God is managing everything. And the other is of the the absentee landlord or the watchmaker who wound everything up and then stepped back to watch it unfold. A view we call deism. So we're going to look at these two very briefly this morning and uh, and see what we can gather from them. So first of all, the micromanager. You might have heard of John Calvin. Anyone heard of John Calvin? Yes? Yeah, um, theologian, uh, reformer along with Martin Luther, Zwingli, and a few others, was responsible largely for the Protestant Reformation. He lived from 1509 to 1564. And the, the Protestant Reformation, to reform the Catholic Church, the, the medieval Catholic Church had gone somewhere strange. They were basically dangling people over the pit of hell and telling them that you could, you could buy your way out of hell, or at least purgatory, if you gave us lots of money. You could buy these things called indulgences. And the church had become corrupt. And quite rightly, these reformers were saying, no, we're not having this anymore. This is not what the Bible teaches. Uh, we've got access to the Bible ourselves now. We're going to tell something different. And you remember um, Luther hammered his theses onto the door at Wittenberg Church. Well, John Calvin was one of the reformers around at that time. And as a Baptist church, we owe quite a lot to John Calvin. Um, quite a lot of ideas, our ideas come out of his thinking. Um, He was a lawyer, a theologian, and a pastor. And his big work, which is called The Institutes of the Christian Religion, he'd written at age 27. So obviously quite a formidable mind. um, Quite an incredible character. But he has a particular emphasis in his writing on the sovereignty of God. Now I have no problem with God being sovereign. God being the ultimate authority, our sovereign but John Calvin understood that in a particular way and that was that God is sovereign so therefore he manages everything, controls everything. Not one thought enters your head, not one word comes out of your mouth, not one action happens that God hasn't ordained it and structured it and chosen it for you. He says this in his Institutes, no wind ever rises or rages without God's special command. Now, perhaps that's understandable given the culture and context of the time. Um, didn't understand how weather worked in any shape or form. And the belief was that if the sun shone or the rain fell, it was directly because God made it happen there and then that he withheld rain or withheld sun or gave sun or gave rain in response to human action and human behaviour. But actually, we know these days a bit more about weather. We know the way weather systems work together. We know that what we do on one side of the planet can drastically affect what happens on the other side of the planet. We understand a little bit more about weather Or perhaps a little bit harder. One of the other things um, John Calvin said was that God chooses to open or close a woman's womb. So for those that have had trouble conceiving children or difficulty, John Calvin would say that was entirely God's doing. God closed your womb for a reason. Now we know more about fertility these days, we know more about biochemistry, we know more about how conception happens and we still don't know it all, but we understand that there are other factors in play in the the birth of a baby. But perhaps the most famous of John Calvin's ideas was this one of predestination, predestination John Calvin thinks of heaven and hell as literal places where we will spend all eternity, either in heaven with God or suffering in eternal torment for all of time. But because John Calvin doesn't believe that you've had a single thought or a single idea that hasn't been put there by God, God has chosen in advance whether you are going to accept Jesus or whether you are going to reject him. In fact, God made that decision for you which leads to this strange idea that god creates some people and predestines them for eternal torment that's not a god i can that, that that's not a god i can believe in that that causes me some problems and i hope it does to you too that god would create anybody simply so that they could be tortured forever in an eternal hell Uh, The Bible says, I think, quite a bit about our free will. Um, Tim did send me that article in the week that he'd found in the Times. You know the one he quoted at the beginning? The title of his email is, You may or may not have free will to read this article. So I've not read it. (laughs) I still don't know what it says. And I'm not going to. Because I have free will not to. Despite what the article, I think, probably says. But now I am tempted to read it right at the opening story at the beginning of Genesis two trees are put before Adam and Eve the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they're told not to eat of the one they are given a choice and the story of scripture it seems to me is the outworking of that choice sin enters the world we have choices to act one way or the other, and if if we aren't responsible for our actions how can we be held accountable In the reading we had, uh, Moses is preaching to the Israelites and he puts before them a choice. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. So choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days. Moses has put before the Israelites a choice. They have this way or that way to go and God puts before us a choice. How will we respond? We have free will. So I'm afraid I get off the bus with Calvin at this point. He said a lot of good things about the Holy Spirit that I'm fully on board with. But this one, choose life. But you see, the thing is, I think choosing life includes risk. Sorry, this, I like riding my bike. I, I like getting out on a Saturday on my bike, and this is the only picture I could find of me riding a bike. So. But I know when I get out on that bike that I am taking a risk. I make a decision on a Saturday morning. No, I try to mitigate that risk. I wear a helmet. I'm sensible. I try not to descend hills too fast. And I try to keep a careful eye on where I think cars might come out, and I try to be aware. But I know that my choice in life, one of the things that I really enjoy doing, getting out and riding for a few hours on a Saturday morning, clears my head, does me the world of good, has inherent within it some risk. And it strikes me that life is like that. We have choices, God gives us choices, but often those choices, because of fallenness or unbrokenness, other people, because of this thing called life, it has a risk to it. And that cannot be avoided. Sometimes I think people wish God had created a land that looked a bit like this. A world that looked a bit like this. I was looking for them. Care Bears actually was the one I wanted, but I couldn't find it. You know, some people think that, wonder why God couldn't have created a world that was just all fluffy. And fluffy bunnies. But actually maybe... Maybe for God to create a world and for a world to have integrity and for creation to be what it is, it has to be made this way. And that's, that's the position I've come to, I trust God. And the world has within it brokenness and it has within it fallenness and it has within it systems and it has volcanoes and it has tectonic plates and it has weather systems. And that's the world we've been given. And that's the world we live in and we respond to. And we're beginning to understand a little bit more about how our actions are impacting that around the world, so we're taking responsibility more. But often when I hear people talk about God, it's as if, as if they wish God had just created this world of fluffy bunnies. And actually, perhaps that's no life at all. Just a thought to leave you with. So then the other view, if that's Calvin's view, that we're the micromanager, where we have no, no free will at all, everything is organised by God and preordained by God, deism is the other view, Uh, the watchmaker, the absentee landlord. It's an idea that was very popular in the um, 1800s. It's this idea that God created everything that there is and then stepped back to watch it all unfold. Created the laws of nature, created human beings, created the world, and then just stepped back to see what would happen. In his book, Abraham Hamilton says this, deism avoids the theological problem of condemning certain people to hell before they're born, but it it eludes the problem that accidents and suffering are part of God's plan. The problem with deism is that it makes no room for God to be at work in the world at all. And we believe that God's at work in the world, don't we? We believe that God is active. We believe that uh, supremely God acted in the world through Jesus That God intervened in human history, in human form through the person of Jesus Christ. That God has acted in history. That he didn't just step back and watch it unfold to see what would happen, like the absentee landlord or the, the watchmaker. But actually that God got involved through the person of Jesus. And that God still gets involved by his spirit through you and through me. Didn't we hear that with Anna this morning? A fantastic illustration of a story of God prompting us by his spirit to be involved. Teresa of Avril said this, Christ has no body now on earth but yours, no hands, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes with which Christ looks out his compassion to the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. How is God active in the world? Through us, through the church. We are his hands and feet, we are Christ's body. Christ's spirit at work in us, prompting us. As we, as we listen, as we pray, as we meditate, as we spend time listening for God's still, small, quiet voice prompting us in the world. God is still active in history through us. So I can't accept the deism view either. Earlier when I asked Tim to get me a glass of water, I gave him an instruction, but I didn't tell him how to do it. And he surprised me, rather, <laughs> by producing it so quickly. I told him my will. Tim, I, I've, I have, I've got a hideous cold and sore throat at the moment, but, uh, so I needed a glass of water. But how Tim went about fulfilling that was entirely up to him. He knew my will, but he had free will in how to fulfil it. Does that make sense? He could have gone to the youth kitchen, and got one of the glasses from there. He could have gone to this kitchen and got a plastic cup or a glass. It turned out he'd, he'd already preempted, because I did tip him off, and I was going to ask him to do and he'd already got one, which utterly surprised me. How he chose to fulfil that was entirely up to him. And my argument is that as Christians, we, we know and understand something of God's will. We have the Bible, we have the person of Jesus. We know, people, what God is calling us to and guiding us to, it's to love others. It's to make his love known in the world. It is to look out for the powerless and the overlooked. And our choice, our, our power within this, is to choose how we're going to go about doing that. We have agency and choice, or to not do it at all. But we have choice. God wrote the laws of nature. God has a will and a plan for humanity. God guides us by his spirit and through the scriptures, in church and as we pray and through other Christians. God strengthens and walks with us. We are called and empowered to be God's hands and voice in the world but God does not force us. God has shown us what is good and what is required of us but he also gives us freedom to walk his path or away from it. And that choice and, and that choice. Is what makes us human. Everything happens for a reason. I'm not sure. Um, often this verse is quoted, or Romans eight twenty-eight, all things in all things God works for the good of those who love him. What that verse doesn't say is that God causes all those things the bad stuff, the rubbish, but that God can take them, take our failures, take our poor decisions, take our mistakes, take the things that happen in the course of being alive in this world that we have that is before us and God can shape them and use them for good and I fully believe that and I have experienced that. But does God cause them to happen? Does everything happen for a reason? I don't think so. Uh, This quote is in the book. It's, It's anonymous and I don't know where it comes from, but I found it very helpful and I'm going to read it slowly for you to reflect on. Suffering is not God's desire for us, but it occurs in the process of life. Suffering is not given to teach us something, but through it we may learn. Suffering is not given to punish us, but sometimes. It is the consequence of our sin and poor judgment. Suffering does not occur because our faith is weak, but through it our faith may be strengthened. God does not depend on human suffering to achieve his purposes, but sometimes through suffering his purposes are achieved. Suffering can either destroy us or it can add meaning to our life. Does everything happen for a reason? I'm sure you've got questions pinging off all over the place right now. So maybe talk about them over lunch. Buy me a coffee. Chat them through. I'm always up for that. I want to finish with this prayer. If in, in, in this world that we live, if this is the world that we have to live in, to follow God in, to listen to his prompting and his leading and his voice and to be his hands and feet, then what, what, what prayer do I, what attitude do I come to God with? And I love this prayer of uh, John Wesley's. And um, this is a contemporary translation, but I'm gonna pray it and speak it out now. And if, actually, if you want to pray along in your heart and your mind, then do feel free to do so as we finish this morning. I'm no longer my own, but yours, God. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, you are mine And I am yours, and that is the gift. So be it. And the covenant which I've made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.